Microphone check. Check. Check, check in the mic. All right, cool. All right, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. And we're joined today by uh, my new friend, Ronnie. I met him on the road during our tour. Um, He's from Virginia, and I uh, had a lot of cool talks with him and thought he'd be a great guest to have on the show. So we're going to give him a call in just a second and hop on into it. Ronnie. Hello. What's going on, man? Nothing, dude. How are you doing? Doing good. Awesome. All right, so Ronnie, um, can you tell us a little bit about like the ministry that you do and um, Identity House <clears throat> and what that is? Cool. Yeah. Um, so Identity House is something that a friend of mine, a friend and I started um, about five or six years ago. It kind of just started as a prayer and worship night where we got together to see what God wanted to do because we knew that there was there was another side of God that a lot of the church the church that we knew of wasn't seeing you know there was more of that supernatural side of God and we wanted to see what was going to happen what he was going to do if we just showed up without any expectation except to worship him and and to sit and to pray and um I was in a band at the time I was in this band called bring the arsenal and I would go out, and it was a ministry-focused band, so I would pray for people, and uh, many of them would get saved, and they didn't like what the modern church was doing, so they had no real place to plug in. They had no real sense of fellowship, and eventually it just kind of evolved into this uh, youth group almost, which kind of turned, which is now a young adult group, Um, and we still have a lot of teenagers come in and out, but it's mostly focused on people right around the age of 20 um, and, you know, college-age kids and kids just out of college. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. And w- with that group, do you meet at the church building? Um, what does that look like, actually? No, lived out? Uh, we actually meet at my house. So uh, me and four of my friends, we rent this house, and it's basically just kind of, <laughs> it's basically become the identity house. Like it, it's, it's really taken on the name and the culture. Um, we meet on Sundays at 7 p.m. and we start at 7. We tell people that they can show up anywhere around 4 just because, you know, we like to hang out. We like to, we like to have like that whole family dynamic and really make sure that people are doing all right. That like if they need anything, we're there for them. And we, uh, our end time is set to midnight <laughs> yeah. just because, yes. you know, we really do like that whole, that whole family um, dynamic that, that you see in the book of Acts a lot. You know, the, the, the disciples were constantly together. And so we really try to, we really try to promote that, that family atmosphere, that accountability. And sometimes we have bonfires, sometimes we have cookouts. Um, on the walls in our living room, we have, we have a giant testimony wall, like over top of, the the fireplace mantle uh, a lot of people who have come in and, and have stayed have actually been the people who have gotten healed from things whether physically or emotionally you know god when when you take god out of his box he really does just like to show off and show people what he can do you know and that's always been really cool to see um to come in with enough faith to be like all right well god's a god's a big guy he's gonna do whatever he wants let's pray and see what he wants to do you know you and a four of your friends basically like run this whole ministry like with partnership with your church i'm guessing yeah yeah so actually the guys that live in the house with me um even though we we live in the house we take care of the house together um they're not actually on like my leadership team i i did eventually like we got so big for a little while 
because um, for a little while we had anywhere between 40 and 60 kids showing up a week. Uh, Whoa. And now we're down to like a, a steady 20 to 30, which is really cool. Um, we actually have, uh, I have a leadership team that I've built up. One of the girls that's with me, she's been, she's been here the longest, like, um, she, we invited her to like the first meeting and she's basically just stayed the whole time. Her name is Annie. Um, and she, she helped me with a lot of things recently. Um, I invited my girlfriend who's been leading uh, a lot of our girls for the girls, uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights. Um, she's, she's on my leadership team now. Her name is Kate. And then I have two guys um, that I've been discipling and uh, really just been trying to encourage them and pull out their gifts. And, and uh, they've been really helpful as well. They're both really great. They just have a servant's heart um, all around. And I don't know uh, how extensive you guys have been into ministry and ministry situations and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's really kind of hard sometimes to, to pull a group of people together to help lead um, a bigger group as a team. You know, and so it's always been really encouraging, uh, just to see what God is going to do and how how He functions and stuff. It's cool because I mean, like, just uh, spending time with you guys, I really get the perception that, like, I don't know, you guys all just really have hearts to make your life ministry. Yeah. You know, and it's not like it's not like this is a thing that you're like a part of a church's ministry, so we live this way. You know, I don't know. It's just really refreshing to see that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's something that you're passionate about. You're passionate about drawing, you know, people closer to Jesus and paving that way, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, di- so did this ca- kind of just, like, come to be? Like, it wasn't, like, necessarily, like, a planned thing. We're going to start this. and. Nah, man. Like, honestly, like I said, um, my friend Corinne, it was more, it, it more, more or less, it, it really did start with her. She wanted to start a prayer night and a worship night. It was, it was like a prayer and worship night for probably four or five months. And, uh, I just kept bringing people in, you know, cause these kids wanted to learn more about God and didn't like what the church was doing. And, um, and then she left for a mission trip for three months. And so it was just me in charge. And I, I, we just sat there and we just kept praying and praying and praying. And it just was like, we were hitting, we were hitting this wall. Um, and we knew that God wanted to do something else with us, but we weren't quite sure what it was. And, so there was just, I just remember there being one night specifically, um, her mom, Corinne's mom flows very prophetically and she was just like, I really just feel like, you know, there should be a teaching here. I just feel like there should be a teaching that someone should be teaching. And immediately I just knew like this is evolving into something else. And, um, you know, I had everybody pull out their Bibles and, uh, I think we started in the book of Ephesians. I want to say is the book that we started in and we just started going and I, I uh, started teaching them on some of the things that God was showing me. And then it just kept evolving and evolving. And, you know, now we have more people who are teaching and stuff. And so it's cool. Cause like our main focus has always been teaching people about their identity. And my friend, Stephanie, um, <laughs> Stephanie Garten, she was hanging out with some people one day and she was talking to them about coming and hanging out with us because they were kind of going through an identity crisis and didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. And she was like, yeah, dude, you should come to to this group. It's kind of like an identity house. It's like really all we teach on. And I was like, wow, like 
I like that identity house, yeah. And uh, she got super stoked, and uh, you know, she just asked, she was, she was like, can we just name it that? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's got a great name, uh, great ring to it, you know. But it, it took like, it took almost two years before the name even came about, you know. Like after after Corinne got back from her mission trip, um, after those three months, we kind of threw some names around, couldn't really figure anything out. So it was just the prayer night, and then uh, Stephanie by the grace of God, came into that name, and it's just stuck ever, ever since, you know, so. That's really rad. <laughs> I love when, I don't know, when things kind of naturally develop like that. Like, I had a small group at my house for quite a few years that uh, met every Thursday, and basically developed, because uh, I was just hanging with a lot of friends consistently, and we are having a blast, you know, like, some of the funniest times, funnest times of my life. Yeah. Um, but then I'd get home, and I was like, I didn't get to know those people's hearts any more than I did, you know, beforehand. I mean, it just kind of like had this empty feeling of like, yeah, I'm just having fun with people, you know, but not really delving into like who they are. Yeah. So I uh, ended up just starting a night where it was like every Thursday, um, who are you? Like, where are you at in life? Where are you at with Jesus, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, that was like all there was to it. But uh, it was just like a cool thing because it was just like people had a hunger to know God and to connect with each other and just like really open themselves up and just be like, yeah, this is like, these are the doubts that I have. This is, these are the struggles that I have. And, uh, just allowing God to work and, and speak the rad thing. That's awesome. man. it's always really cool to see, um, see how much heart, how much of God's heart he reveals when you, when you just try to start something organically like that, you know, and just try to really get to know each other and encourage each other in knowing him. And there's, it's, <laughs> that hunger there is always, when people have hunger, it's always the best thing, but it's also the hardest thing to teach people to have. You know, you can't, you can't teach someone to be hungry for God and for his ways. Um, all you can really do is show them by example and let your life reflect that, you know, and let your life have the good fruit that Jesus talked about. That's been probably the most difficult thing, um, is seeing people go in and out of those seasons of hunger where they're on fire one minute and then they're cold the next. Um, but when they come back, it's always such a great encouragement. And uh, you always see so much fruit come out of it when they're ready to come out of, like, the stuff that they're in that's been holding them back for so long. The, the wisest thing that I think I've ever heard um, anybody say when it comes to, like, the hunger aspect of knowing God, like hunger and thirsting for righteousness, is um, Bill Johnson out, out at Bethel Church, uh, where Bethel music kind of stems from, he said um, he never takes advice from anybody who's satisfied with lack in their life. And I've always kind of really tried to take that to heart and, and tried to, like, impart that i that ideal to people um just because you know like there's so much more to god you know there's so much more like when you when you read through the book of revelation you see the uh the seraphim the four seraphim sitting around the throne of god and you know their bodies are basically covered with eyes you know every every ounce of them is looking and staring at god around the throne and <laughs> The only thing they can say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you can't help but wonder, like, 
they've been doing this for all of eternity, and it's their only job to do. And if God is really infinite, then how many different things have they seen about God? How many different things have they heard about God? And if he really is as infinite as the Bible claims that he is, how giant of a head start do they have on us since we're not even at eternity yet? You know, we don't even get to see him like, we don't get to see dad. We don't get to see the father in his fullness yet. And uh, <laughs> that's one of those things that like I sit back sometimes and I'm always really baffled by it because just because of how big he is and and what all what what else he has going on, you know. Are you cool with uh, sharing like your story about uh, how you came to Christ? Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I can do that. All right. <laughs> uh, so I I was kind of I was raised um, in a Baptist church until I was about eight years old. And I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, so my pancreas just kind of died. And I stopped going to church um, just because it was hard for me to adjust to it for a little while. And, uh, um, you know, there are some churches that are just so... They don't always have the, the right um, mentality about about sickness and um you know so it was kind of one of those things where I, I i didn't know what to do i didn't feel very encouraged where i was at as a kid and i i kind of pulled back a bunch um my grandparents were the people that took me to church and my grandfather was was my best friend for a long time uh i i was i went went to elementary school and then in middle school my dad decided to homeschool us um and so for a little while, my grandpa was like really the only person that I would talk to about uh, very many things. And um, eventually he died. He died of a heart attack. And um, I kind of turned my back on God for a little while. I, I didn't want anything to do with him. I thought that if he was really as good as everybody said that he was, that he wouldn't have taken my grandfather away from me. Um, and that, you know, there had to be something, <laughs> there had to be, there had to be something else. Either he wasn't real, um, or he was just, just a giant douchebag. Like, to be honest, I was, that was my thinking. And my parents didn't really go to church. My parents didn't really have a faith, so they couldn't really help me with any of my questions. So I started researching and fell into all kinds of just different things and, um, got really good about arguing against God and turned my brother against the Lord. Um, even though he was one of those people that tried to pull me back for a long time. And um, it just didn't, it just didn't, didn't work. And um, he stopped believing because of me. And my mother did as well. Um, whatever faith that she did have. And um, so I just got really depressed and I fell into a lot of self-harm for a long time. I, I cut myself for a little while, but I, I played soccer um, and I played goalkeeper. So my legs were already always scratched up because I was always just um, sliding around. And so it was, it was a good cover, you know, and I never... Um, I never cut deep enough 
to to do like too much too much damage. I, I kind of just wanted to feel something, you know, um, other than the, than the depression and and um, I kind of got tired of that for a little while and um, tried to overdose on insulin a couple times. And every time something would kick in me uh, when I should have been in a coma and my, my body would jumpstart and take me down to my dad and I would be mumbling gibberish. Like I have no recollection of this at all. Um, but I'd be mumbling gibberish and my dad would immediately know to call the ambulance or whatever. And I tried that a couple times, man. And the Holy Spirit, like God is so good. The Holy Spirit would take over because uh, I know I was, I know I was saved at that point and <laughs> I, <laughs> I always said I was an atheist, but like that's the thing about God is that even when you turn your back on on Him, He hasn't turned His back on you yet, and He would take me Amen. safely down a flight of steps every time to where my dad was, so that I could start getting something in my system, and and then I would come too, and you know I'd be okay, and you know so I tried this a couple times, and the third time about the third time I. Uh, I decided that, it, you know, the third time wasn't the charm. <laughs> Obviously, something was messed up. Um, something wasn't clicking. And I remember the third time. This is the only time that I remember anything happening. Because um, every other time, I just saw black and that was it. And then I would wake up and I would be like, where am I? What's going on? You know. Uh, so, uh, like, did your parents know that you were attempting? No. They, they had no idea. No. And, and to this day, I still don't necessarily... I still don't necessarily know if they if yeah. they know, and it it it's not something that I hide anymore because I used to hide it. Um, and I, I've shared my testimony so many times, and there's even a video of me up on uh, my old band's YouTube account of me sharing my testimony, and you know, so I know that they know something was going on. Um, I just don't know if they have chosen to, like, really receive that something was going on. And if they haven't, then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force yeah. them into it. You know, I, I love them too much for that. And honestly, like, none of that stuff was their fault. They've really been good parents. They've been great, great parents, and they're, and they're great people. Um, so that's not something that like I have felt from the Lord that I need to go to them and be like, hey, you know, all this stuff was happening. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys were aware of this or anything. And I've mentioned some things uh, just to kind of, not recently, but over the years, I, I, I definitely have been open and honest with it about it in front of them. I just, I, like I said, I just don't know how much of it they're, they've kind of accepted or, or anything like that, you know. Um, so, yeah. But... Um, so that that third time though, I, I I saw this vision and I was, it wasn't just the darkness that I saw. I was caught in between this this light and this darkness, and I heard a voice calling out from the light. And he, uh, it was God, and he said, you know, I have these plans for you, but you have to come back to me. And then I woke up and I, <laughs> I I blew it off for a long time because it sounds like so stereotypical of of like an occurrence, like a spiritual. Um, experience I was just like nah man that was that had had to have been on, like on the brink of death my chemicals in my brain were going haywire and flashing all this stuff before me like it, it wasn't anything like that and um, but I started questioning again like I came out of that like atheist period and kind of fell back into 
as Gnosticism and just started questioning everything all the time and was just getting more and more curious. And uh, around that time, I, I joined this band called Say Your Prayers. <laughs> and we weren't a Christian band. A lot of us really kind of hated Jesus and... And we did it. So was the name was the name kind of like a poke at like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It was it was a poke. Um, I played lead guitar in that band, and the vocalist was just a straight straight atheist. And the more he talked, it was really cool. It's it's really cool to see how God works things out because the more he talked against God, the more I wanted to know who God was. So the night that I really like came back to the Lord. My, my parents were going through a tough time. Um, they had just declared bankruptcy. They had had one of the cars repossessed. Um, there was a lot going on in my family. My personal life was kind of <laughs> in shambles. My, uh, I, I was seeing a girl for a little while, a good couple of years, and you know I had lost my virginity to her and um, kind of just was using her for sex for a little while and she was kind of stalking me, which was really weird and really strange to me. Um, and uh, I remember Say Your Prayers, we had booked this show, and it was at a venue called Mo Fozzie's. <laughs> it was the weirdest name. A fun name. band was on the bill. They, they were called Ready to Way. And um, I'm still really good friends with a couple of those dudes. One of them, Brandon, is in Germany right now helping to plant churches. Um, another one, probably the one that I'm the closest to, his name is Mike Yearout, and he uh, he goes to church here in town at this place called Commonwealth Chapel, and he's like their media director now. He actually just got that job, and I'm really proud of him. But they they played um, they played that show, and going into the show, of course, had showed up the atheist guy, and he uh, he was. Was like, yeah, man, I'm not going to play the show today. And we were like, why? You know, this is one of the biggest shows that we've booked uh, for locals. And he was like, you know, well, one of my friends got beat up last night by this hardcore crew. And I was a part of that crew for a little while. Um, and this guy's one of my best friends. And I'm scared they're going to come after me because they've been making threats. One of their hardcore bands that's actually in the crew had a show a couple of blocks down. And, um, you know, he was just terrified because his, his friend was hospitalized and he didn't know what to do. So he showed up to tell us that he wasn't going to play and then he left. And the three of us, because um, we were a four-piece at that time, the three of us sat around, my bassist and my drummer, we sat around and we were like, what are we going to do? And we all kind of decided, all right, we're going to try to stick this out. And if we can play, then we'll play. If not, it's not a big deal. The promoter at the time came up to us and told us that he had overbooked the show and he didn't know if we were even going to be able to play, so it was probably good that our vocalist didn't show up. So we were there the entire night waiting around. Um, and my dad was drinking, and, you know, because of the the um, the bankruptcy, you know, he's really plastered. My Like I said, my ex-girlfriend was there. She was kind of stalking me and being really weird and um, flirting with guys to try to get my attention but would always kind of come back to me and luckily um by the grace of god my best friend jeff henderson was there and was able to distract her for me and keep her away so i could try to focus more on like what was going on and what we needed to do and ready the way got up to play and um it played about halfway through the set so probably about two hours in there probably was about two or three hours left to go because it was just a it was a huge show and they just i just remember feeling so warm when they played. I had no idea what their lyrics were. 
Um, all I knew was that they were yelling and it sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, in between the songs, Brandon, their vocalist, stood up on this box, this soap box. And in my, in my head, all I could think was, all right, here we go. They're going to preach at me now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the soapbox preacher, here we go. <laughs> and he just... He, he just got up there and he was like, you know, guys, on, from the bottom of my heart, on behalf of all of us in Ready the Way, I want to apologize. And it completely threw me off. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going to happen next, you know. He, he <laughs> rather than getting up and, and telling everybody, turn or burn, the first thing he said was, you know, we're sorry. <laughs> and he went on to say um, that there are a lot of things that the church and America was doing, this Americanized church was doing that weren't okay, and that, you know, they couldn't change very much of it because they were this little five-piece band, but they wanted to apologize on behalf of God's heart for the people that they had turned away and mistreated and hurt, and that God really wasn't that guy. He wasn't, he wasn't that guy that these turn-and-burn ministers preach all the time. I just felt this this tug in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to do, but I, I just knew I had to follow him. So I followed him outside after they got done, you know, and I just sat, uh, cause he invited people to come and talk to him afterwards. And, um, he had this whole crowd of kids just around them for like, for no reason. I had no idea why they were all there. I didn't even know that many people, like that many younger people were in this bar cause it was a bar too. So there were a lot of older people floating around and, I just sat and listened. People had questions, and they just they just kept asking questions. You just kept talking to them about the love of God, and I just sat and listened because I didn't know what else to do. And the more I sat and listened, the the stronger that tug on my heart felt. And he, at the end of it, the show was over with. They were all packed up. Uh, the rest of the bands were done. He was like, "All right, well, we got to go. So do you guys want to pray together before we leave?" And everybody was like, "Yeah, sure, that sounds great." And I'm sitting in this corner, like back in the corner, listening, and he just points at me i didn't even realize that he knew i was there but he just points at me and he was like hey man you need to come over here too and i was like why <laughs> I, I i'm not asking for prayer and he was like no that's okay like this is you don't need to ask you can you can still be here for it and i was like okay cool so you know he brought me over we all like held hands and he just started praying for people he for people who had prayer requests he prayed for and he just kind of prayed asking god to to teach us more about himself um and at the end of the conversation, I remember thinking, I, I have to get the car and get my dad, but I don't want to, you know, I, I want to talk to this guy some more. And so I just felt, I just felt prompted. Uh, I just looked at him and I was like, you know, dude, I used to be a Christian and I turned my back away for a long time and I want to come back. How do I come back? How do I, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. And he said, when you go home tonight, lock yourself in your room and talk to God as if he was the perfect father that you had always wanted. And that really struck a chord in my heart because at the time, you know, my dad, my, my parents were having a hard time in their relationship and with finances and stuff. And, um, you know, and I had some unresolved bitterness towards my father for some things. And it's not like, like I said earlier, it's not that he was a bad guy. I was just a teenager with hormones, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and didn't understand right. that like, you know, sometimes people go through a bunch of crap before they can get to the light again. And so I had, I looked over at my dad and like my dad's stumbling around and I know I'm going to have to pull the car around and help him get into it and then carry him inside the house. And I was just like, what do I have to lose? You know, I'm looking for this perfect father figure in my life. What do I got to lose? 
So I, I, I took my dad home. I packed all my stuff up, um, took my dad inside the house, and then just ran up to my room, man, and just shut the door, locked it, and just started talking about all the things that were wrong because that was all that was on my mind were all the things that were wrong. And I just poured out my heart. And I just remember falling asleep that night crying. And um, it started off as a bad cry, and then it kind of turned into a good cry because I started to feel peace about things again. And I woke up the next morning and was just, I was just okay. For the first time in years, I just felt okay. I didn't, I haven't had a suicidal thought since. I, uh, I haven't been depressed for a long period of time since. You know, there have been a couple seasons of my life where, like, I've realized because I've held on to some bitterness towards people that I kind of fell into depression. And then once I realized, oh, I'm bitter, I can forgive them. Like, cool, I know what the root of this is. Uh, you know, my joys come back, but you know, it's a, it's amazing. Once you, to me, like my ministry, the ministry that God's always given me has always been about introducing people to him as dad, like not just as like, Oh, heavenly father, you know, that religious prayer that we pray, but actually introducing them to him as dad. Um, and then teaching, teaching them about teaching people about their identities and knowing him. Um, you know, and then that night, that night was really one of those nights where like I went home, I locked myself in, in my room and I came to know him as dad and I came to start to understand what it meant to be a son. And, you know, because of that, uh, my dad and I have a good relationship again, like on my side of things, because <laughs> it was always on my side of things that things weren't, weren't good, you know, and, um, and there's been a lot of redemption there and, um, you know, it's really cool because at that time I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. I just knew I wanted to play music and uh, everything that I've wanted, that I had wanted, um, he's given me because I'm a son and he loves me. You know, like once you really get in a relationship with him, you know, he'll teach you anything you ask him to if your heart's in the right place. And um, I joined Bring the Arsenal and released another full length and toured all up and down the East, East Coast for two or three years, you know, and um, and then I wanted to be a youth pastor and God told me to quit the band that I was in that I loved and it hurt, hurt like hell, man. But like within two weeks of me quitting, my pastor asked me to be the youth pastor um, and I was like, this is nuts. Like I quit, I, I quit the band after my last tour with them, like the day of. And then the next morning, he called me and asked me to go to a camp for a week with him because they needed another counselor. And then uh, two days after we had gotten back, he asked me to be the uh, youth minister at the church that he was starting at the time. Um, and that was three years ago. You know, we're only we're only three years old uh, right now. And and that was when I decided to pull. That was right around the time that Corinne pulled out of Identity House, and we pulled it underneath. Um, his ministry and for, for covering and stuff. And so not only was I the teen and the, the young adult pastor, but I was also the children's pastor and, you know, and, um, I wanted to go to school and I didn't know how to do that. Um, and he, he provided me with a Bible college that I could go to that I could afford that was fully accredited. And I have my bachelor's now I got my bachelor's last year. Um, yesterday, actually I, I got ordained. So I'm an ordained minister now. Like, nice. uh, and it's just crazy Reverend? how, 
if you're willing to work with him and have a real relationship with him and take things a step at a time, um, he just slowly reveals himself to you and reveals his love to you more and more. Um, you know, but it's like David said in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think if you really come to know him as dad and delight in him as like your father, you know, not just, not just Jesus, your savior, you know, not just the Holy Spirit, your friend and this giver of these amazing gifts, but actually like this is, this is my dad and he loves me and you delight yourself in that. You know, this, all the things that Jesus promised and talked about, they come into full fruition, but it all takes a progress too. You know, everything's a progress. And I guess like, I guess my testimony more than anything is a testimony of progress because it's really like, that's really what it's been is, is step by step. It's been a progress um, and everything. So um, one of our uh, buddies, we did youth ministry under him for a long time in Michigan. Now he lives in Colorado. He's a youth pastor out there, but he talks about that passage. Um, just that like when we del- delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will like place his desires in us, Yeah, you know? Um, so it's like more so the fact that he gives us his heart than like he gives us what we want, you know, Yeah. Uh, what you said kind of nailed it on the head, just like that, you know, when our heart is right, yeah. then it's, you know, like the things that we want are what he wants, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, dude, for sure. That's, yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, the more you spend time with him, the more your desires reflect his desires. And I think that's really I think that's really the key to everything is, you know, like you said, having having the right heart and having your desires match up with his, you know, um, you know, you have all of these really skewed uh, teachings and theologies about like prosperity <laughs> and what it is yeah. and what it should look like. And it's like, well, <laughs> some of those things are very true, but, you know, it all starts with you getting getting your heart right with him, you know, more than anything right. else. Um, and it doesn't always look, the end result will always come to be, you know, right around the same thing for people, like that heart of sanctification, but everybody's progress is different, man, and if you can teach people to embrace the progress for themselves, and and really learn to embrace the progress for yourself, and embrace everyone else's progress around you, you know what I mean, like, knowing where they're at, and knowing how the Lord is progressing them, um, you know, being in fellowship with them, like you talked about earlier, where you're like, hey, man, all right, what's going on in your life? What's what's the Lord been teaching you? Like, where are you at? You know, um, we can get into progress together as a family and our desires will begin to reflect his. And they may not always be exactly the same because we're different people and God is infinite. So he places a different part of himself in each of us. You know, like we all have the Holy Spirit, but because he's so big, and because he's given us all like different callings, different different gifts, different destinies, you know, there are always going to be certain things that look different. And learning to embrace those differences, I think, is really like what causes unity. Because unity without differences isn't really unity. It's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it it's just control <laughs> and manipulation. Because you all have to do it the same way, exactly the same all the time. And you know, that's not, that's not who God is. You know, dad is, dad is, has a lot of kids that he loves all the same. (laughs) And everybody has a different grace on their life. You know, there are different types of graces, but there's the same love behind it all. 
And if you can learn to see that and call the gifts and callings out in people, you know, and and embrace their progress, I think I think that we'd we'd see a bigger difference in the church here in America. You know, I think mm-hmm. and map like match and match that with like hunger, dude, man. God would show up in such a real way all the time and would just blow people's minds, you know. And I feel like the dreams, the passions, the callings, the desires are those things that are they come out of that from the overflow of that one on one relationship, one on one connection. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, I think the hunger has to come first before any of that other stuff, you know, because if like you start chasing after those other things before you have a hunger for him, then it's really easy for for Satan to get in your heart and mess things up. And oh, yeah, then nothing looks like how it should. You know, that's that's how we get so far away from like the church in the book of Acts and like where we're at now with things is that. People want the gifts, the callings, the blessings, but they don't want to be hungering and thirsting for him and like the righteousness that he brings us. And uh, yeah, man, Ronnie, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about you brought up a couple times embracing progress and embracing others' progress. Yeah. Um, where, gosh, I see that directly related to identity and identity house, like <laughs> what you do. Um, yeah. This is not something that I'm naturally good at, man, but like fortunately I've been surrounded by a number of people in the last few years that are very good at like embracing my progress, you know? Um, and like, yeah, really, really pointing out like, dude, like you're great at that, you know? Um, where like, it's not my natural inclination to like, I don't know, I guess see other people's strengths and, uh, like bring them to mention, you know, and to verbalize them. Yeah. Um, but like I've come to realize more and more and more like when my identity is found only in Jesus and I'm like totally secure in him and not secure in my strengths <laughs> and not secure in like what I'm good at um, and not even like thinking that way. Like that's when I, I totally have like this freedom to like look outside myself and just to, like to identify other people's strengths and be like, yeah, like. I don't know. I'm not looking for validation from anybody else. I'm not looking for validation in anything, yeah. but just like being able to be free to look outside myself and point out other people's strengths um, and embrace that progress. But um, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a cool thing and just refreshing to like actually be in a place uh, of, you know, due to other people having their identity in Christ you know, like pointing out stuff. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know. It's just an awesome, awesome thing to see the body built up that way. Yeah. When you were, when you were over, when you were down here, when you were on tour the other week, when we were talking about like correction and like correcting people, one of the things that you said that really like touched my heart was not having an, an, an attitude of, I love you, but, but I love you. And, you know, yeah. I love yeah, you. Dude. And I see the best in you. I love you. And, you know, you're better than this and you have a better, you know, your identity is much more than this. And I think, I think that that's really the key, you know, and really coming to understand Romans seven is such a odd topic for so many Christians. And I feel like a lot of people use it to prove how sinful and how crappy they are. When to me, it speaks the opposite. 
because Paul, he mentions twice out of that whole argument and that whole like mismatched wording that's there, twice he points out, he says, it's no longer I that sin, but the sin that dwells within me. And so he, he actually ends up separating himself from the sin completely. And so it's not me doing it, it's the stuff in me. If I can get rid of the stuff in me, the stuff that's in my heart, then I'll be okay. But I have to understand too that like, I'm not that stuff. I'm not my sin. And mm-hmm. in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, you know, it's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ that compels us. And so we see people not after the flesh or not after that sinful nature, you know, um, but after the spirit and after what God has already called them to. And, you know, I think, and I, and I struggle with it too. I struggle with it sometimes. You know, I do. Like, <laughs> you and I even talked about that while you were down here is, is like having, having difficulty seeing that sometimes. But I think, I think that if we can get our minds wrapped around that, like people are not their sin. It's not okay. They themselves are still okay. You know, they're not, just because someone's stuck in a sin doesn't mean that they're, they're lepers, you know, and even if they were, Jesus said, touch the lepers, cleanse them, you know, like, right. um, we have to be compelled by love, like, more than anything else, it's that, going back to that, that, you know, that whole idea, I love you and, rather than, I love you but, you know, mm-hmm. so. That sacrificial Jesus love. Yeah, yeah, that, like. That's one of the many things about him that like that I love the most, man, is like the fact that the father does come for us, like not in our high points in life. And now we're doing our best, but like he loves us through our situations. Yeah. And the fact that we were lost causes before he came, but yet and still he still went. Yeah. And like, you know, therefore now I have no right to label anyone a lost cause as a Christian because I was once a lost cause. Yeah. But. Yeah, dude. Cool thing is about like the sufficiency of like Christ like crucifixion and all that is that he died for the sins of all people, yeah. whether they know that or not. He's made the same provision for the believer as for the atheist, as for the agnostic, as for like the uh, like the person who's practicing Islam and like for the Buddhist, he's made provision for all. And like the cool thing about the gospel is that like you're just basically telling people like, dude, the Lord's made a way for you. Like, yeah, this is a religion. I'm not trying to make you stop doing this and start doing that. Like, dude, God has stretched out his hand in friendship. Like, yeah, this is dope. <laughs> we don't need it. He, We didn't deserve it, but he wants to. He wants that. He desires that. And that's that's pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That, that's so spot on. I uh, So I read this book. um this book a long time ago about growing like the organic church and the whole premise of the book was basically like everybody should participate in house churches now because mega churches are what's wrong with america and i don't necessarily think that because <laughs> yeah. every, every part of the body has its place you know we can't function without each other <clears throat> there was one thing mm-hmm. in the book that stuck out to me he he talked about how him and a bunch of his the people in his, his congregation went to this old rundown hotel that had all these drug addicts and, and people who had, uh, you know, addicted to alcohol had, had nothing going on for them. They were just stuck in a lot of crap. And, uh, he goes on this little rant and talks about how, in, uh, how in Philippians got, uh, Paul uses this word that's pretty close to, um, you know, uh, our, our modern day word for crap that people like to use a lot, you know, and, uh, he, he says, you know, 
crap makes great fertilizer. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna find people. You're never gonna find a perfect person. And honestly, nine times out of ten, the more crap you find them, and the easier it is to reach them for Jesus. You know, right. and um, and he was like, you know, don't be afraid of the crap. It might smell bad. You know, but you're covered. You're covered in the blood. It's not going to give you any kind of weird diseases. Sometimes you just got to get in it and roll around like a pig and just help people get out of it. <laughs> Again, like going back to like that whole idea of progress, too. Like, you know, that that crap is what's gonna is what's gonna cause the fruit to grow after a certain point. You know, like uh, every seed has to have some sort of fertilizer at it, in it for a little while, like around it for a little while in order for it to grow. And then once it starts growing, you don't need the fertilizer anymore because you start to see something sprout. Um, and <laughs> you know, we, uh, my church breakout, we, a couple weeks ago before Easter, we went to this hotel in Ashland where over 50% of all police calls are made to that hotel. Uh, wow. you know, they just had a lot of, a lot of a uh, lot of addicts, a lot of um, homeless people living there, and my pastor and I were talking one day, and I was just like, you know, man, I just have I have a heart for the lost in this little town, and I I want to see I want to see what God wants to do, you know, because um, God loves to show off, and if we could just get there and just like do like a hot dog day or something, you know, like just give away free food and just see if we can pray for people. You know, and every step of the way, it was like, well, you know, we don't normally do this, but I guess we'll we'll let this slide for you guys. And we were just like, wow, nice. like every step nice of the way, God's you. grace is just over this. And so we get to this hotel, we gave away a bunch of free hot dogs um, and and cookies and chips and water and played with the kids at the hotel for, for a long time because there's so many kids at that hotel, man. And um, it was it was crazy. And we got to pray for a couple people. We saw a couple people healed of. Uh, you saw one lady healed of a back injury and a couple others healed of like headaches and stuff just because we showed up with no, like we weren't trying to get them saved. You know, we had no like turn or burn. We weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't about any of that. It was like, Hey, let's go there and just let's love on them and see what happens. And, uh, you know, and the, the week after that was, was Easter. And, um, you know, we had two of them show up at our Sunday service, you know, just because we wanted to love on them. And it was just, it was crazy just how much God, will work with you when you have no agenda when you're hungry and you're willing to help people through like their progresses and stuff you know like it's it's just nuts it's so cool speechless (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's sometimes sometimes you just gotta be man like so i study a lot of like revivalists um and a lot of them in their books will say that the number one thing that helped them grow was getting to that point in worship where they just became speechless didn't know what to pray didn't know how to sing didn't know how to do anything they just sat there in silence and then they let god talk to them you know and like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just kind of have to look at things and just get super stoked on what god is doing and just sit there and be silent and just be like all right (laughs) i said all i gotta say man i prayed everything i knew how to pray it's your turn talk to me you know like that's so good. He's so good all the time. You just, just can't help but smile once you you get infected with with that man. Like I preach myself happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was reminded of like Christian Welch. He was on the tour with me uh, that we uh, met Ronnie on. One thing that he said the other day, and he just kind of said it, and I was just like, I need to write that down. Um, <laughs> he said something to the extent of like. 
we need to stop looking in the mirror because the mirror can't tell you what you are um, and it doesn't really matter anyway something like that like that's that's something that's really been on my mind and heart a lot lately is just like uh, the way that I see me and the way that others see me you know does not matter at all like at all um, and just that like the only thing that actually does matter is our identity our identities in Christ yeah. and the way that Jesus sees us so um, I don't know. I feel like that's a big heartbeat of like the identity house, just seeing our seeing who Jesus is, and in turn seeing him as Father, yeah, and knowing that he is Dad, yeah, and that kind of changes the question where it's no longer like who am I, but like who are you, God, and like having that be the main heartbeat. I, I guess with with identity house, like what is uh, what is kind of like the plan or mission. That you have got, you guys have going. Um, when God gave us Identity House, like I said, the main thing is really just worshiping Him and having a hunger for Him and and being taught about who we are. Outside of that, like we focus a lot on identity. Um, we focus a lot on like sanctification and knowing that knowing who you are and who you aren't, knowing what what is sin and what what is actually you, and you know how to get rid of those things. Um, we talk a lot about the supernatural side of God and like those signs and wonders and miracles. We teach a lot on that. Um, one of the things that I try to do before anything else is when we have new people, the first thing we do is we say, Hey, one of the things we like to do is pray for new people and bless them and see what God has for them. Um, if you're down for that, we'd love to put you in our little hot seat and, you know, kind of crowd around you, lay hands on you and pray for you. Or not lay hands on you if you don't like to be touched, you know. But we still want to pray for you. Is that cool? And nine times out of ten, people say yes. Um, there are a few occasions where people are like, nah, man, that sounds weird. I don't know what you mean by that. And, you know, that's okay. We love them through it anyway. I still, God, God told me every new person that comes, no matter what, make sure you pray for them and prophesy over them to bless them. And I said, all right, cool. That's planting seeds. I can do that. You know, one of the first things that... That I, that I like to do when people commit to coming here and like staying here or even if they just want some private time is I, I try to teach them how to hear God's voice, um, you know, accurately and, and teach them about the gift of prophecy and like the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and how they relate to each other. Um, and then we kind of go from there. You know, once you can teach someone how to hear God's voice and they know they're hearing God's voice, Faith becomes really easy, so the rest of it's kind of like, oh, well, I can do that too, <laughs> you know, like, we, we focus a lot on that here, and um, my friend Jacob down in Norfolk wanted, he felt called to start a group and was kind of asking around for a long time and trying to figure out what we were doing up here, and so um, I went down there one weekend and just started to help him jumpstart things, and uh, you know, months before this had even happened, though, God had given me a vision of kind of starting a network where, you know, the primary focus was uh, teenage groups and young adult groups and bridging those gaps. Um, but the vision, the vision for me, like for, for my life, has developed from not just being here at Identity House, but also helping other people. Uh, learn about God and, and gain that fire and learn how to hear his voice and and really come to know him um, as dad and have the gifts developed from that. Um, 
you know, like I said, right now, I'm, I'm helping Haven down in Norfolk, but I also help this group out in Hillsville called the Battleground. And um, I have this friend up in Winchester named Dave who runs this place called Heaven's Pit that I go and I speak at a bunch to. Um, and there are a couple different colleges that were actually able to get on campuses because they have a couple groups that are running that aren't necessarily part of InterVarsity or the campus ministries. They're just kind of there and they're just there to worship. They're just hungry and, you know, they don't really know what to do. And they caught wind of what we were doing. A couple of them were coming to like our groups um, and they were like, you know, we want, we want this. We want what you guys have. How do we get this? And, um, you know, Jacob and I kind of looked at each other because Jacob's really a part of this, this vision too. And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, all right, well, this is what we've been praying for. This is what God has given us. So we got to figure out how to, how to teach people how to have that fire and that hunger for God without making it like this religious system of, you know, if you do A, B, C, and D, you'll get to this right. final step over here. And here's how you do all this. The gospel says that believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. Not pray this giant prayer, and then you'll be saved, you know? like And again, depending on the person, because God's bigger than all of that. Like, some people need the Romans robe. Some people need the sinner's prayer. Some people just need to say, hey, dude, I believe in Jesus. You're my witness. Keep me accountable, you know? And um, again, just like knowing a person's progress, knowing where they're at, knowing where they need to be, is just key to all of that. Like all of all of everything that goes within Christian life, you know, has to do with fellowship. Well, hey, man. Um, thanks a lot for sitting down with us. Yeah, dude. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, maybe we could do this some other time too. Um, one last thing, uh, your YouTube thing. Yeah. Oh, it's Wrecked with Ronnie. We'll toss a link up. Um, and what is that, real quick? Uh, Wrecked with Ronnie is this vision that I got um, about three or four years ago. And I started it with a friend. His name is Brian Webb. Um, and Brian went off to school. And so I couldn't do it anymore. And it basically was just God gave me, he just wanted me to shed some light on some things and some truths. And, um, and just do like little mini 10 minute videos, just teaching videos, short to the point, um, backing it all up with scripture. And uh, there are some old ones that are on there um, that I haven't looked at in a long time. And I've developed a lot since then. So I don't know if I agree yeah. with all this. So, disclaimer the older ones <laughs> may not be what I believe anymore. I just haven't looked at them. And so I don't know if I should take them down or not. But the newer ones, the, the, the newest series that I've been doing is called Knowing. Knowing God is Dad, and uh, I, it's three parts right now. I just recorded the fourth part this weekend, um, and I should have it up sometime within the next two weeks. Um, and it really just kind of coincides with this prophetic word that I got a long time ago where I would be teaching people through through videos and giving them the truth through videos and stuff. And so that's really just kind of, it's really just kind of what it is. Um, really, really basic. <laughs> Nothing, not, not really that that big of a deal although you know now that we're on the subject like click share <laughs> yeah <laughs> and get it out that'd be cool um but yeah it's just it's just me talking for like 10 to 15 minutes about about god and about different things that pertain to god and i sometimes run out of ideas so if you guys ever want to request something to to get up there that'd be cool too we can do some research and and get it out in the open and see what's going on so sounds good man all right, thanks, Ronnie. All right, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. All right. Have a good one. Bye.
All right, so that was Ronnie Webster. Um, we'll toss the link to his uh, YouTube channel and his little show is called Wrecked with Ronnie. Um, some awesome stuff happening out in Virginia, and I uh, hope that you enjoyed that. Feels like everything cool happens in Virginia. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta just get that vibe, but like, it's just awesome to know, like, the fact that you know you don't have to have like a seminary degree or anything like that to just simply do what you feel like the Lord's leading you to do. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's that's mad encouraging for me too, being that I've never went to college. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just I just have a passion for like wanting to just tell people about Jesus, like the simple things, you know. And being the fact that. By him taking his steps in those areas, his small steps, like the Lord has just multiplied, like mm-hmm. everything he sowed into it. So that's cool to see. Well, thanks so much for your time. And if you want to check us out more, uh, letgoddie.com. We have a little support button on there. Um, if you want to check out the videos we have up, that would be sweet. Um, and until next time. Mm-hmm.